0: this is something they've got to do and stick with during the course of this game second down in six and winston
1: and
2: he drills it downfield and it is caught and it's caught by chris godwin and he's going to go in for the touchdown After five years as the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jameis Winston has found a new home in New Orleans. Welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and it is such a pleasure to have you with us today. After a long weekend, James Winston has finally made it official and has signed with the New Orleans Saints to a one-year deal to be the backup quarterback. Now, remember, New Orleans has also signed Tayson Hill to a two-year contract, so now you have three quarterbacks in New Orleans. Now, this is a situation where a lot of people say it's a great fit for Jameis. I'm a little confused at it because I don't think it's necessarily the best situation for Jameis if it's about playing football. If it's about learning how to play the position, then I definitely agree. Now, understand that Drew Brees, before he got hurt last year with a thumb injury, The past 19 years, so his entire career, he's only missed one game until last year. So it's not often that Drew Brees does get hurt. Now, Jameis, you know, he can learn a lot from this coaching staff, and he was very happy about it.
0: I I, I think I'm I'm going to, uh, being being a part of New Orleans Saints, being a part with Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, Sean Payton, uh, Coach Joe uh, Lombardi, Coach Pete Carmelker Jr. When you think about that room, I mean, that's like that's like a Harvard education in quarterback school. Um, so I wanted to put my ego aside, uh, put the money to aside and think about my family, think about my career. And uh, it was no better position than to be um, in the same room with someone that I really looked up to, someone that I admired. Uh, since I've been playing this game and Drew Brees and uh, just understanding why I'm at in my career. I've done some, some great things uh, with the Bucks. I'm going to miss being a starring quarterback, but you never know what happens. Uh, I, I think, I think that this is just a, a great and unique step uh, to, uh, to join Drew Brees in the New Orleans Saints and learn from them, learn from one of the best to ever do it and, uh, and make a great transition in, in my career. You, uh, you know, it's a it's a proverb. Um, humility comes before honor. Uh, so so I have to humble myself, and this is a once in a lifetime opportunity uh, to be with Drew Brees and to be with the New, New Orleans Saints, and just prepare just prepare for when my when my next opportunity is gonna present itself.
2: That was Jameis Winston talking about his new team, the New Orleans Saints. And you know, good for Jameis as far as he's happy. I'm happy for him. But here's a guy last year threw for 5,100 yards, 33 touchdowns, and he isn't going to be starting. It just baffles me that a guy can have that great of a year and not be starting. Now, yes, I understand he threw 30 interceptions. But, you know, a couple of guys have had shots at Bruce Arians over the last couple of days. One of them being Peyton Manning, who said back in 1998, his quarterback coach was Bruce Arians when he threw 28 interceptions. So just like like him, there was a lot of interceptions by Jameis the first year under Arians. Another quarterback. Carson Palmer, who had a terrific career in Arizona under Arians, but his first year, he still threw 22 interceptions. And then you have the assistant GM of the Saints, Jeff Ireland. What a shot he threw at Bruce Arians, saying, Jameis Winston will learn more football in a year than he has in his total life. My goodness. Those are some strong statements from Jeff Ireland. And you got to ask your question. You know, I hate blaming coaches for performance by player because the players obviously one who are the ones out there executing the plays, but you know, here's three situations where he goes in and all three quarterbacks their first year in this system goes ahead and throws a lot of interceptions. So you have to ask yourself the question, you know, did they not give Jameis enough time? And, you know, that possibly is a good point. But Bruce Arians, once again, the fans in Tampa Bay know it, doesn't have a lot of time. He has two years left, basically, to show what he can do in Tampa Bay. And they felt like Tom Brady coming in, someone who doesn't have a lot of mistakes, in his career, would be better. But, you know, just a, you know, surprising move because, like I said, I thought he would go to either New England or Pittsburgh. And just for those of you wondering what type of deal that he did get, according to Adam Schefter, Jameis Winston's one-year contract with the Saints carries a base value of $1.1 million Per sauce. He got 148000 signing bonus, a base salary of $952,000, and $3.4 million is available in incentives. So that's what he got paid. A lot big. What a big difference from $30 million that he was seeking as a quarterback in the NFL. Now, in some not as Pleasant Nude, Kansas City Chiefs cornerback Bashad Breeland was arrested on multiple charges Tuesday in York County, South Carolina. Those of you Kansas City Chiefs fans, Breeland, 28, faces charges of resisting arrest, having an alcohol in a motor vehicle with the seal broken, have an opening container of beer or wine in a motor vehicle, Possession of 28 grams or less of marijuana or 10 grams of hash. And also driving without a license. So unbelievable amount of charges against Bashad Breland of the Kansas City Chiefs. And obviously the Chiefs are aware of the situation but are not commenting on it right now want to remind all of you folks, if you have any questions, concerns, topics, things you want to talk about on this podcast, you can go to FranklySpeaking528 at gmail.com. You can also go to my Twitter page. If you have a Twitter account, please go to Twitter. Go ahead and follow me at Larry Frankis. That's with the U.S. at the end. We also have our fastest growing Facebook sports group page all you have to do is go to facebook type in frankly speaking sports and all it'll come up you'll see us go ahead and become a member we give you the most updated and fastest sports news around so we want to make sure you do that as well we also have a link here on the link you just go uh, voice message, leave your voice message and we'll play it on our next episode. So lots of different ways. We also have sponsorships where you can sponsor our show. You'll get mentioned quite a few times, different amount of ads, and you can donate to the show as well to keep us updated on the most technical type of equipment we need to provide you with this great service. Now, I want to get into a topic. And it happened down in the Tampa Bay area, but it's an NFL situation. And it kind of disturbed me a little bit. And it just shows you how hypocritical NFL fans can be. You know, if they like you, they like you. If they hate you, they hate you. When you do well, they love you. And when you do bad, they hate you. I guess that's just the way sports is. And it was no difference with the Tom Brady situation where everybody in the entire United States was calling for this guy to be penalized in some way, shape, or form because he went over the offensive coordinator's house to pick up a playbook. All Tom Brady did was have a very simple visit with Byron Leftwich so that he can get the playbook and he could study it at home oh my gosh he committed the greatest sin that could be committed in the united states of america people wanted him i don't know what they wanted from him. they wanted him to go to jail they wanted him to uh you know lose money they wanted him to be suspended all for going after a playbook yet a couple of weeks earlier, it was okay for Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott to have a party with nine other people. Somebody explain to me why it's okay for Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott to party, but it ain't okay for Tom Brady to get a playbook. There is no reason. The, the reason is... People do not like Tom Brady because Tom Brady is successful. He's the best quarterback of all time. And here's a guy who does something very innocent and they act like he just committed a major crime. It just doesn't make sense to me. Will somebody please explain to me what Tom Brady did wrong? If Tom Brady should be penalized for that, for just going to his offensive coordinator's house to pick up a playbook, what should the penalty be for Dak Prescott and a Zeke Elliott? They should be suspended a bunch of games. But no. That's not going to happen, because it was Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Zeke Elliott, and I don't want to get into that whole situation on why that situation should be treated different than the Tom Brady situation. It shouldn't be considered different, and it is 100% completely wrong. So it's about time, all you haters out there, for Tom Brady, cut the crap. The guy did not do nothing wrong. And thank goodness the NFL, as they always are, was smart enough to see that and said no penalty or fines will be given. It was just a simple visit to get a playbook. Great job, Roger Goodell. Once again, you show your true leadership. Thank you. You know, I really want to give a big shout out to all my fans out there. We had had a record number of messages between our text line and Facebook group page. And we're going to get to as many of those questions in our second segment of our program today. But we have questions. You know, we have a lot of followers, obviously, in the Florida area. We have a lot of followers here. We're starting to build up the Arkansas area, but we're getting questions from people in Massachusetts, in Illinois, in California, in Green Bay, in San Francisco. It's just incredible and it's overwhelming and I want to thank from the bottom of my heart all my listeners for continuing to support us every day. So thank you very much. As I said, we're going to get to the, uh, All the uh, text line questions in a little bit. Uh, We're also going to talk later on about baseball. We are going to get into some baseball. There's been a lot of rumors on when and if baseball is going to begin. And it seems like it all depends what channel you're listening to. Um, Also, we're going to talk. We had one of our listeners had a great question that they sent to me about minor league baseball and how that's going to be affected As far as their season and how many teams, if any, are going to end up shutting down and not playing baseball anymore. So we're going to try to get to those questions as well a little bit later in the show. Um, We're going to go to break now. We're going to hear from our good buddy, Dick Vitale, with his tip of the day. By the drive...
1: Hey, my motivational tip of the day, it's all about something I just read about fear of failure. So many people allow fear of failure to destroy their drive, desire, and their unbelievable willingness to pursue the goal they have. Don't allow that to stand in your way. I mean, that fear of failure could drive you bananas. But my God, if you have fear of failure in everything you do in life, you'll never be a success. We all have a little worry, obviously. You got a little anxiety, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't let fear of failure grab you to the point where it doesn't allow you to possibly chase the dream you may have. chase that dream. Have those goals. Have that desire. And wipe out mentally that fear of failure. Don't let it grab you and hold on to you and destroy any chance of you attaining what you'd like to achieve. Yes, you have a goal. You go out and try to attain it. You try to achieve it.
2: And you don't let that fear of failure stand in your way. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. As we get back into the show, we're going to start taking some messages we got from either our text line or our Facebook page. And the first question comes from Henry from Katuit, Massachusetts. Big Patriots fan. His question is, who is going to be the quarterback in New England? Well, it, you know it's it's a it's a great question. Right now, it obviously ain't going to be Jameis Winston because he just signed with the New Orleans Saints. But from what it looks like, it's going to be a quarterback battle between Brian Hoyer and uh, Jared Stidham. And I will tell you right now, Bill Belichick is very high on young, this young kid Stidham. Um, In college, Stidham was 545 for 848, had a 64.3% completion ratio. He threw for over 7,000 yards, 48 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. And that's in his entire college career. But he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and Belichick likes him. On the other hand, you have a veteran in Brian Hoyer who is 35 years old. Now, Hoyer has played, um, you know, for Belichick before. Obviously, he was with the New England Patriots before. He understands the system. And, uh, you know, in 2014, I believe he uh, started 14 games for the Cleveland Browns. So he was 242 of 438 for only 55% of his passes were completed. He had a little over 3,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. So Brian Hoyer makes a lot more mistakes. And I think what's going to happen is during preseason, you, here it is, New England fans, you're going to have a little quarterback competition between Hoyer and Stidham. But if I had a bet, um, Henry, to answer your question in simple terms, I think the veteran Brian Hoyer... May start out the year. I think what happens is they put him in. He starts out. And if at any point during the season Hoyer stumbles or is not doing the job, there is not going to be, you know, any hesitation by Bill Belichick or Josh McDaniels to pull the plug on Hoyer and to go ahead and put in Jarrett Stidham. Now, During the draft, New England showed you they're not so worried about their offense. I mean, New England has one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they continue to stack up their defense even during the draft. So this is a team that is going to win and die by defense. Not by offense, where in the past you had Brady. You had somebody like Randy Morse. You had somebody like Rob Gronkowski who can help you score points. Now all they have is Edelman. They have Julian Edelman is their offense. And in order for them to be have any kind of success in 2020, that defense is going to have to come up big. But to answer your question, I see Hoyer starting and I definitely see Stidham, you know, sometime throughout the year getting his chance. Next question came from Dan in Palisades Park, New Jersey. Dan's a big, big New York Giants fan. You know, Giants had a rough year last year. They went 4-12. and 12, And he wants to know, how many games can the Giants win? I th- hope he was being a little sarcastic because... Cause he asked me if I thought it would be thirteen or fourteen, which is definitely not gonna happen. But I'm gonna tell you something about this team. This team last year showed signs of improvement. Now they were only twenty-third in offense and twenty-fifth in defense. So from league rankings, they did not look that great on paper. And they were, like I said, were only four and twelve. But here's a team that probably right now has one of, I say one of, the most dominating offenses in the league. I mean, look at this. They have Saquon Barkley, who is probably the second best running back in the NFL. I'm sorry, nobody's going to be able to tell me anybody's uh, better than Christian Mahaffey. And Derrick Henry is right up there as well. But Saquon Barkley, definitely in the top five running backs. Meanwhile, you got Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Darius Slayton as your receivers. Three really, really good receivers. And you have your young quarterback phenom in Daniel Jones. And I think the problem with Jones last year is he constantly had to throw the ball under pressure. And during the draft, the New York Giants pretty much fix that situation when they got Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, and then they come back and get Matt Pert. So now you got two guys that are going to have a major impact on that offensive line, and now they're going to be able to protect Daniel Jones. Um, You know, they solidified that offensive line. You know, and if you think about it, they're going to have to compete with Dallas, who had the number one offense and they were ninth in defense and meanwhile Philadelphia who was an average team at 14th on offense and 10th on defense so you know you got to understand the Cowboys were 8 and 8 and the Eagles were 9 and 7 so none of them had terrific years and even the Cowboys with the number one ranked offense in the league, still struggled to win games. They didn't even make the playoffs. I honestly think this young team, they added on, Uh, who was it, James Bradbury as a cornerback. They also have Peppers, Love, and McKinney, which is one of the most versatile safety groups in the league. So when you look at this team, their defense has gotten a lot better Definitely a lot better than a four-win team. I honestly think this team could win eight games this year. This is a 500 ball club. I think anything less than a 500 team um, for the New York Giants would be a disappointment. This is my surprise team. Dan, I'm going to say it. This could be one of those teams this year. Very young team that could really develop into something very special in New York. You know, a lot of people talk about the Jets and, you know, Sam Donald. Watch out for Daniel Jones. I I really think now that he has the protection that this is going to be a really, really solid team. We got another question. We'll go right to it here um, from Chad from Chad in Newport, Ritchie, Florida. And Chad actually had a two-part question. First question, let's answer the first part first. He wanted, how bad was the Green Bay Packers draft? You know, talk about how bad it was. It was bad. If you're a Packers fan, you should be disappointed. Here they go after, with their first pick, they go after a quarterback who's pretty much going to be holding a clipboard for the next three years behind Aaron Rodgers why the heck did they use a first-round pick for Jordan Love when they could have used a pick later on in the draft to get a quarterback who could have been that quarterback of the future? So that's number one. Number two, the, the draft by the Green Bay Packers, it didn't address the wide receiver situation at all. They have no wide receivers. I think the only option they have there is Devontae Adams. Plus, they didn't help their run defense, which played them all season last year. And if you watch the 2019 NFC title game, it killed them versus the 49ers. So if you're asking me, the Green Bay Packers definitely, in my opinion, failed during the draft. They really did not do anything um, to go ahead and improve themselves. Now, the second part of Chad's question was, Carolina drafted all of defense. Can they contend? Well, you know, we, we say this constantly, you know, there's a reason why they play the games. Remember this. They had some good pickups. They didn't just really take care of the defense during the offseason. Maybe in the draft, but they made some good acquisitions on offense and picking up Teddy Bridgewater and... All pro from the New York Jets, Robbie Anderson, the wide receiver. So now you got another weapon. You got a good quarterback who's mobile, who still has yet to prove himself. He had one good year, then got injured. But I think Teddy Bridgewater, hopefully there, he's the man that they're looking for in Carolina. But you also have Christian McCaffrey on offense. Here's a guy that didn't only rush for over 1,300 yards, he also led the team in receiving with over 1,000 yards. 1,000 yards in rushing, 1,000 yards in receiving. That still is a very, very dangerous um, offense. Um, they also had DJ Moore, who had 1,000 yards. So, understand that, they, they got an, a very good offensive team. Now, you said they only went after defense. That's right. They were 31st in the league in defense. There's only 32 teams. That means only one team was worse than them on defense. What do you expect them to go in after the draft? They have to fill their needs. And did they fill their needs? Well, they helped their needs. This is still a team on the defensive side of the ball that still needs a lot of help. And as far as them contending, I don't see that happening. Um, they, I'd be surprised if they end up being a 500 team this year. I would predict Carolina, and I hate doing predictions. I really do. But I would say maybe six wins in that division. You got two very tough teams in the New Orleans Saints, who have gotten better, and of course also um, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which by far has the most explosive offense in the league. When we come back from break, we're going to take a couple more questions. We have David from Lakeland uh, that asked us a question. as And then we got Russ from Illinois. So when we come back, we'll answer those questions right after this break. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank. Hope you're enjoying our show so far. In a little bit, we're going to have on momentarily our uh, Tampa correspondent, Craig Frank, will be joining us on the air to talk a little bit about Jameis Winston and... You know, we never really got to talk to him about the final part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, We did have a poll question on our Facebook group page, and the results are now in. The question was, should the Patriots try to acquire Jacoby Brissett? Now, obviously, the Patriots, like we said, barely have $2 million left on the cap. But there's ways around that to restructure contracts with uh, guaranteed money and signing bonuses. So, once again, the question was Should Jacoby Brissett be acquired by the New England Patriots? 57% of you actually said yes, that he should be acquired, while 43% of you said no. So, that's what you guys were thinking. Want to remind all of you that we will continue to have polls on our Frankly Speaking Sports. Group page. If you're not a member yet of our group page, go to Facebook, type in Frankly Speaking Sports, and the group will come up or ask to join, and I will approve you. Also, if you have any questions, topics, concerns, thoughts you want to talk about, you can either leave them on that group page, you can leave a quick message here at the end of this show. We have a message link. We will play it on the air. You can do what everybody else is doing. You can go ahead and uh, go to our text line uh, at 813-922-9810. Just all different ways you can get in touch with us. Go to our email, franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. The more questions, the more interaction the better the show. So, lots of different ways to go ahead. We are also gotten so big now, we are taking sponsorships. If you wanna become one of our major sponsors, Get in touch with me. We'll let you know what involved and what type of donation that all takes. You can donate to our page so we can continue to keep you updated on the fastest news and keep ourselves with the most up-to-date technology to provide you with this great service. We're going to go ahead and get to a couple of more questions in a little bit. But before we get to those questions, it is my pleasure to have on our Frankly Speaking Sports Hotline our Frankly Speaking Sports Correspondent at a Tampa Bay, Craig Frank. Craig, how you doing today? Hey,
3: Larry, I'm doing great. Good morning. How are you, sir?
2: I am doing terrific. Big news yesterday. It was expected, but became official that Jameis Winston has signed with the new Orleans saints. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, you know, I'm I'm glad Jamin's down on the spot, you know? Uh, I mean, it wasn't what he expected, uh, when the the free agent period started, he expected to make a, a multi multi multi-million dollar contract, uh, big time money that would set him up for the rest of his life. Uh, but it didn't turn out that way. And, you know, he, he's going to go be a backup for the saints. Uh, behind Drew Brees, who's, I mean, I'm a big Drew Brees fan, and uh, behind Tyson uh, Tyson Hill. Uh, so, uh, I mean, if that works for him, you know, sometimes you got to take a step backwards to go, you know, five steps forward. So if that works for him, more power to him.
2: You know, but here you're talking about a 26-year-old kid. He had over 5,000 yards passing last year. He threw 30 touchdown passes. And his contract, this is what he gets out of his contract. He's getting a base of $1.1 million. The max he can make on the contract with incentives is $4.7 million. For a guy that threw for that many yards, that was a starting quarterback, that was seeking, you know, in the area of $30 million a year to make basically $26 million less, I mean... Does it really make sense? Well,
3: like I said, you know, that's that's an incredible example of humble pie. Um, You know, things can change from one day to the next. Um, I don't think there's any question he has incredible talent. Um, You just don't throw for 5,000 yards in the National Football League and not have talent. The question is, are you going to have talent that is going to help you win football games and get to the highest or the pinnacle, which is the Super Bowl? The Bucs decided no, because the turnovers were an incredible, incredible issue for him. So, I mean, if he clean, if he cleans up those those turnovers, which he hasn't shown a propensity to do, then, you know, we wouldn't be having this discussion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, it's come out as early today, and I don't know if you heard about this or not. A uh, couple of knocks on Bruce Arians over the Jameis Winston handling of him last year. Uh, First, we had Peyton Manning coming out saying his first year in 1998, Bruce Arians was his quarterback coach, and he threw 28 interceptions. And then um you also had Carson Palmer, who in his first year threw 20 interceptions. And then the assistant GM, Jeff Ireland of the New Orleans Saints, just came out saying Jameis Winston will learn more football in a year than he has in his lifetime. So, a lot of people going, it seems like going after Bruce, and they felt like that, according to these three guys, now this is from their mouths, not mine, they felt like Bruce didn't take enough blame for some of the interceptions that James threw. Well,
3: I, I, I don't think people can really question Bruce Arians' resume. Uh, you know, he, he's, a proven, he's a proven guy. One thing that I'd note, Larry, is on on those interceptions you were talking about, uh, for Peyton Manning and for Austin Palmer, that happened their rookie season. He's in his fifth year now. He's making some mistakes you shouldn't be making, okay? So my point being is, you know, he's not a rookie. If he's making this in his rookie year, that's one thing. But if you're not improving after your fourth or fifth year,
2: me ask you let's go let's switch over to the draft okay we we only talked about I think the first day we talked was after the first day of the draft we talked about Tristan Wirfs obviously because he was the first pick and how he solidifies that offensive line w- going forward after that what was your actual opinion of their draft well uh, I
3: really like their draft you know you know how drafts are okay you don't know, you know, you talk to me three years from now and ask me if it was a good draft. That's really when you find out what kind of draft you're going to have or what kind of draft you have. Um, second pick, Winfield, uh, the Bucks needed desperately someone in center field to be their safety. I mean, he's a playmaker. He's quick. Um, he's not incredibly fast, but he's very football quick. Um, he also uh, plays the run exceptionally well, and he'll hit you now. He'll stick you, so people will think about it uh, when they're coming across the middle. So that pick some people said we should have took that running back. We had can, uh, they had cam acres there. they had um, they had acres, they had Dobbins from Ohio State right in their lap there.
2: He's definitely a great runner. He's rushed. I mean, to be able to rush in the SEC for over a thousand yards two years in a row. I mean, that says something, right there. How tough that conference is. Oh yeah, you're
3: play, you know you're playing against every. You know you're playing against uh, Alabama. You're playing against Auburn. You're playing against. It's going to be a really positive uh, effect for the Bucks' running
2: game. Yeah, and I guess I mean during this draft, one thing it was unspoken, but something that was unspoken, but it was pretty much said, is that we have faith this year in Ronald Jones.
3: Yeah, well, Ronald Jones proved last year that you know he he, he really really improved uh, last year. He gained some weight. Um he, he just looked the muscle, really, not weight. But, I mean, he really looked strong uh, after the initial contact, uh, was hitting holes really fast, and, and it was, got open to the open field a bunch of times. So I think that's – I really think they're still very, very high on Ronald Jones. They just needed that person who could really, on a continuous basis, catch the ball out of the backfield, and I think Vaughn can do that.
2: We're speaking to uh, Frankly Speaking Sports correspondent at a Tampa Bay, Craig Frank, who follows the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Craig, I'm going to tell you something about the draft, my opinion of the draft. Although I think they got terrific players in Wurfs, Tyler Johnson, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, and I love the pickup of the safety Winfield, here's a team that was already third in the league in offense. They had the best-ranked defensive rush in the NFL. They held their opponents to 68 yards rushing. Yet, the total defense on this team was still ranked 29th in the league. They they were still hurting on defense. Not that they didn't get better towards the latter part of the year. They did lose their last two out of three games. But... They didn't seem to me like they did enough in the draft, except for Winfield, to really beef up that defense.
3: Well, you know, you know what I, I, I think, as you stated there, Larry, um, their defensive rating was misleading because of their incredibly slow start in the beginning of the year, and and don't forget, um, JP Paul, I believe, was out for a couple of games. There, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Uh, so I, I think once he came back, you got more of a pass rush. Um, I, I think once they got used to the new system, let's be honest, it was Todd Bowles' first year A more of a tack defense than, than they had the previous year. Um, I, I think the uh, corners really started getting a lot more confidence in the people up front and in themselves. And I think this is the year you really see that
2: defense take flight take and really move up the charts. And the rankings, and you know, the defense at safety is okay. Ed and Winfield is, like you said, a great center fielder. I think they're great on their line, I think their actual linebackers are real, but I still say that teams can pick them apart because I'm not sold on their cornerbacks. Yeah, well, like I
3: said, it, 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 there's one, one game that's a team game football's a team game. You're as good as the pass rush. You're as good as your front, your linebackers. Uh, and that makes everybody better. Okay? And I think the corners, they were young. There's no argument. I mean, they have a bunch of, I mean, you ha- have a, a bunch of different guys back there who were playing for the first, second time in that type of scheme. And I think you will see uh, the confidence level and, and confidence is, is, is half the scheme. You know that. Um, I think you'll see that much, much more prevalent this year than you did last year. And and, and you know what? To draft another corner, then that corner's got to get used to the system. I think they did a smart move by saying, Pat, they believe they have the talent necessary, and they'll be a year a year older and a year more
2: experienced. All right, before we let you run, Craig, for our listeners, if Early prediction, and, you know, we'll ask this throughout the season, obviously, as we get closer to games. Uh, But your preliminary pick, how far do you see the Buccaneers going? I mean, realistically.
3: Well, again, you this year is completely different than any other year we've ever, ever come across due to the coronavirus situation. Teams have not had a chance to have their – you know they're OTAs. They haven't had a chance to work with each other. I mean, I, I think that you're going to see the Buccaneers are going to get better as the season goes along. But um, I really feel they can compete uh, in that division. Uh, uh, you have right now until you beat them. New Orleans is the cream of the crop. Uh, I, I think they're 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 better. They're definitely better than Carolina and Atlanta, who are in rebuilding forms. Um, I think the Bucks can win that division. And I think once you get in the playoffs, uh, they, you know, it takes a lot of luck. you got to be lucky to be good. But I, I think they have the potential to go deep into the playoffs.
2: All right. Well, we want to thank you very much for joining us today, Craig. As always, it is a pleasure.
3: Larry, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to coming back on anytime you need me.
2: All right. Have a great day. That was Craig Frank, our Frankly Speaking Sports correspondent out of Tampa Bay, who covers all the Tampa teams, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When we come back, we're going to go back to the uh, message line, our text line and Facebook page. And we got a question from Dave out of Lakeland and also Russ out of Illinois. So we'll be back right after this break. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. What a great, great interview with our uh, Frankly Speaking sports correspondent Craig Frank. And we'll continue to have Craig on the show now and then. Seems to be like, seems to be a fan favorite on the show. And we love having him here. You know, Before I went to break, I said we had some more questions and I'm going to get to them. I want to first get to Dave's question because it still is related to football. Then we'll jump over to Russ's question before we finish out the show. But David from Lakeland, he wants to know, and I think Craig answered part of this in his opinion. I'm going to give you my exact opinion on this question as well. David, you asked, do you think the Super Bowl or bust expectations... Are fair given that San Francisco and New Orleans have gotten better. Well, New Orleans even gotten a little bit more better because they picked up Jameis Winston and it added depth to the quarterback position. And when you have a quarterback like Jameis Winston that has started his entire career and a guy that has thrown for 5,000 yards, that doesn't hurt your team in New Orleans. Now, you know, a couple things you got to realize. Last year, um, all three teams were good offensive teams. I believe the Bucs were ranked third. San Francisco was right behind them, and New Orleans is ninth. Ninth. Do I think it's fair? That I don't think it's fair. I think the expectations in Tampa are a little too high, and let me explain why. I have said it many times on this on this podcast that a lot of fans in Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay Buck fans, wherever you are, you know, believe that anything less than a Super Bowl is going to be a failure, which means if they don't get to the Super Bowl, they failed. Okay. And I think most teams should have that perspective. You know, you don't want to be the best loser. So, I mean, the goal is to win the Super Bowl, but this team did two don't get me wrong, they have one of the the Buccaneers have one of the best offensive teams in the NFL. They have two great running backs now with Keyshawn Vaughn and with Ronald Jones. I think those two are gonna complement. They got the best wide receiving core in the NFL by far. They got now they got uh Tyler Johnson, Godwin, and they also have Mike Evans besides a couple of other ones. They got the best tight ends in Gronkowski, Breit, and O.J. Howard, who O.J. Howard is still there, and they made their offensive line better. The problem with the Buccaneers is they took all this money they had... And all these draft options, and except for getting Winfield, Antoine Winfield, as a safety in the draft, they didn't do anything to help that pass defense. Pass defense was one of the worst in the NFL. They were ranked 29th on total defense. Now picture this, guys and ladies. They're 29th on offense, yet they had the best rush in defense in the NFL. Their the Russian defense was excellent. They only allowed um, 68 yards rush in a game. And for some of the teams they play. When you play the Saints. And when you play the uh, Carolina Panthers. who have Christian McCaffrey. I mean, those are just two teams there alone. You play four times a season. And that's just an incredible, incredible stat. You take it into account they also played uh, San Francisco last year, um, and the, who has Mozart, and they also played the Giants, who had Barkley. So a great, great job on rush defense, but I am not sold after that. Their cornerbacks are weak. And those opposing teams are going to rip those cornerbacks apart. A lot of people are saying, and you heard Craig say it, um, that they're sold on those young guys. They're sold on uh, Justin Evans. They're sold on Whitehead. They're sold on Dean. They're sold on Button. They're sold on Davis. I'm not. They, not that they're down the future, but this is, for a lot of them, only their second year. Um, You know, Devin White, it's his second year. What is he going to do? Now, he did show some good muscle towards the end of the year. But it's a big question mark. When you look at New Orleans, um, you know, they got an unbelievable offense as well. Um, They can score. You know, when you got uh, Kamara in the backfield, you got, what, Thomas and Simmons. um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Sambers sanders i can't get the words out on the as receivers that's a good team then you look at san francisco yes they lost staley but they came back and acquired trent williams and they stayed on defense see this is what bothers me about the buccaneers why everybody else was realizing they needed defensive help the buccaneers didn't go after defense, except for Winfield, while the other teams stacked up on defense to get better. The Buccaneers, if you look at the Buccaneers, the Saints, and the 49ers last year, the Buccaneers gave up 28 runs per game. I'm sorry, runs. 28 points a game. New Orleans gave up 21 points a game. And San Francisco gave up 19 points a game. So the Bucs have a lot of work yet to do I believe, on the defensive side of the ball. I would really love to see these guys progress, but I think you're asking for a little too much there. They have terrific linebackers, uh, a good line, so we'll see what happens there. But if you're asking me, do I think the Super Bowl are bust, um, expectations are fair, No, I think a Super Bowl championship is asking too much. Let the Buccaneers get to the playoffs first. And then just to finish up on that, you know, Michelle from Wesley Chapel, Florida said, how about their kicking game? You know, is Matt Gay going to be consistent enough to go ahead and be their kicker? You know, you got uh, Steven Gonkowski out of uh, New England that, they, they, they let him go. They released him. He's available. You cannot afford to lose games with your kicking game. If, the, if you get down there and they need a field goal, you need to make it. So the bottom line, this is what's going to happen with the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, if it comes down to the end of the game and Tom Brady needs to drive 75, 70, 75 yards to win the game, I say the Buccaneers have a great chance of winning. If it comes down to the end of the game where the Buccaneers' defense needs to stop the opposing team in order to win, I think they have a good chance of losing. So there's my question. Hopefully I answered it, Dave. Now getting into baseball. We still don't know when baseball is going to come back. They're talking about the end of June, starting games in July. I just can't wait. They're talking about realigning the different divisions, geographically, where it's in three divisions. I'm not going to sit here and report to you what isn't factual. I told you and promised you I wouldn't do that. So until we hear definite, I'm not going to report it. But let's hope baseball's back soon. Now, one of the questions from my listeners out of Illinois before we wrap up the show was, Russ, two-part question, do you think many... Um, Minor league uh, baseball teams were full because of financial difficulties. And then the other part of the question, how will the American Association Baseball starting up in July affect the fall leagues? Let me ask the last question first, Russ. I don't think the fall leagues right now are going to be affected. Um, I have not heard anything. Um, obviously, if baseball starts later, there's going to have to be some type of scheduling uh, Transition with the fall league to allow those players who normally would play in the fall league to play. So I do see it's happening, but nothing has been announced as far as the minor league teams go. There, you know, it's like any other small business out there. There are going to be teams out there that are hurting financially that will try to get some money back. Being a small business, and some of them will, but there's. Whereas there's an advantage in baseball, Major League Baseball, to play in front of no fans because you have all the meteorites. In minor league baseball, you don't have meteorites. There's only 70 days a year to make 70 days a year to make as much money as possible in minor league baseball. The rest of the year, you're shut down. It's not like Major League Baseball. Um, you know, for, I think for a while now, Major League Baseball has been seeking to shut down, I think, as many as 40 clubs. Some of those are basically the ones who have shut down facilities um, or substandard facilities. Um, and to be honest with you, Russ, we have too many minor league teams. I don't think it's a problem. I think they should shut down some of these lower leagues. I think Triple A baseball, maybe even Double A baseball is okay, but after that, we don't need all these rookie leagues and this league and A league and B league and, you know, Double A and triple A. I mean, we have too many. No other sport has that many minor league teams as baseball does. You know, I love watching minor league baseball just love, like you. I agree with you. They play for the love of the game. But, you know, and but understand how many different teams there are out there in minor league baseball and how many of those players don't even make it to AAA, yet make it to the major leagues. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of players that don't even get the chance in the big show. So baseball is, in my opinion, there's a lot of money being wasted in some of these teams. You know, if you want to have a separate league where, you know, college players who can't make it in the major leagues play, hey, so be me, having no correlation to Major League Baseball. But we have too many teams in the minor leagues. And I agree. I agree with baseball. We don't need all those minor league teams. If I was a Major League owner, why am I funding a triple? And, and I know they have their own owners, and it's separate, but... Still, it just doesn't make sense to me to have all these different teams. But to answer your question, will we lose some teams? I think it's inevitable. I think some teams that are suffering financially right now will make it if they are not taken away by Major League Baseball. And I think there will be some that definitely lose, uh, lose their business. So hopefully, Russ, that answered your question. want to remind you all, if you have any questions like Russ just did and Dave just did and Henry and so on and so on, you can leave it right on our Facebook page. Or you can go to franklyspeaking 528 at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Larry Frankis with the U.S. at the end. If you have a Twitter account, Please follow us. If you're on Facebook and you have yet to join our group, go Frankly Speaking Sports. Ask to join. I will approve you. And now you will be a member of not only getting my podcast every day, but you will get the updated latest sports news around on Frankly Speaking Sports. Also, you can leave a message right here on this podcast at the end by just leaving a voice message and we'll play it on our next episode of Frankly Speak in Sports. So lots and lots and lots of different ways to get in touch with us and ask us questions. I hope you all enjoyed the show today and we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Frankly Speak in (laughs) Sports.